Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Even many who do not trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior or respect God's law understand that certain things are wrong. Since His law is written in the human heart, even most unbelievers can identify what is sinful and what is not. Many, though, disregard the law's wisdom and its truth, of course, just as they reject the wisdom and the truth of the Gospel. Yet as eternal and as inerrant, God's Word does apply to everyone, at every time and in every place, even when that application is rejected by believers or unbelievers alike. Paul's words in Romans 7, our second lesson for today, are a wake-up call to anyone who thinks that they can carry out a righteous life under his or her own power. There are indeed many who think, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I do a better job of keeping the Ten Commandments than most, as long as I don't covet my neighbor's automobile, my neighbor's wife, or my neighbor's $5,000 home entertainment system, I'll be all right. I'll have a place in heaven. But Paul's message is, dream on. No way. Even if you have the desire to do what is good, you won't be able to carry it out. No matter how hard you try to do the right thing, evil is always right there with you. This may cause us to wonder if if Jesus died on the cross and took away all of our sins, why then do we still struggle with sin? Why is life so hard to manage physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, and especially spiritually? Why do we do what we don't want to do? First of all, it's often because we forget that the only one who has any power over sin is Jesus Christ. Frustrated, though, by our own forgetfulness about this, we try to do everything ourselves, including struggling against sin. That's what Paul is writing about in this text. Until the very near end, we don't really hear anything about Christ, do we? No mention of the Holy Spirit, no mention of the divine working of God in our life. This then cannot be a picture of the good Christian life that Paul is writing about, at least not the Christian life as it's intended to be. Yet for many of us, Romans 7 is the story of our lives, isn't it? Think about the man who says, I know that drinking too much is a sin. It's evil. It's addicting. It's harmful to my health, health and to the safety of others. I do it sometimes to try and forget about how much better others have it than me. But when I'm drinking, though, often enough I actually begin to think even more about that and I covet all the more. I plot ways to get what others have. I know it breaks the ninth and 10th commandments as, as well as several others. I'm ashamed of myself. I've tried to stop, and I I just can't do it. What a wretched man I am. Or think about the woman who says, I know I shouldn't be running up the credit cards. 
I know that it's better to, to live within a budget of what God provides to us. And I know that it's wrong to covet what we can't afford, but when I go shopping and I see all of these great things in the stores and on sales, there, there's something inside me that says, I deserve some happiness in my life today. I deserve this. I want it, and I want it now. My husband will understand. It's no big deal. And then she gets the credit card bill the following month and says, I'm so awful. Why didn't I have more self-discipline? We make a lot of wrong choices, you and me. And with each new thing that we covet and we desire, we, we drift further and further away from God's clear direction to put praise and obedience to Him and love and service to our neighbor at a higher rank in our lives than our own needs. But we become more and more mired in Romans 7. We start thinking that we will never experience peace and satisfaction in this life unless we have what we want to have rather than what God gives us. A second reason why we struggle with our sin is because our growth in Christ and our salvation is an ongoing process. Yes, Jesus fully accomplished your redemption when He died on the cross, when you were baptized, and, or when you were brought into faith by the hearing of the Word. His righteousness was then specifically applied to you, and you were saved then from the penalty of sin. Every day, though, as you struggle against temptation and sin, and even on those occasions when you give in to it, God the Holy Spirit is with you. He works to support you in that struggle against the power of sin, and He turns you back in repentance even when you have resisted Him. You see, it's only later, when you finally go to heaven, that you will be free of temptation and permanently saved from the presence of sin. Yes, your justification is assured by your faith in the blood of Christ, but your sanctification is not yet perfect. It's going on right now. That's why there's still so much tension in your life. There's a conflict going on inside of you between your sinful nature, that which you have been born with, and the new nature that you were given when faith was made yours. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh, and the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And what the flesh wants often enough is to get what somebody else already has, the very root of covetousness. What the Spirit wants is that you give someone else something that they need but may not yet have, that is, the Gospel. Therefore, the two are in conflict with one another so that you cannot do what you ought. The battle rages on. When you were adopted by your Heavenly Father on account of Jesus Christ, though, you were assured of victory over sin, death, and the devil. Satan's power was defeated in your life, and you were bound then to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're continually reminded, aren't we, that Satan still has an awful lot of fight left in him. There are always going to be pockets of resistance in our lives. Skirmishes, small and battles great, can make our lives very difficult. It's not because you're a loser. It's not because you're a failure at the Christian life. It's because the battle is long 
and the fight is hard, and you can't do it alone. When you try to fight this battle under your own power, it leads to three results. Number one, confusion. Here in verses 14 and 15, Paul says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. In other words, why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over? Why can't I resist that sin time after time? I know that it's wrong, but I keep on doing it. I don't understand. Why? Why am I like this? Every time we want to do what is right, our old evil and sinful nature pops up, and it says, wait a minute, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do what I want. And that's why you feel confused. You feel like there are two of you, like you have a split personality. One is this wonderful Christian person that wants to love the Lord and please Him in all that we do. That's the one that we'd like everyone else to see, isn't it? And the one that we'd like to be all the time. But there are two of us. The old Adam or old Eve remains even after we are made Christ's own. And part of his or her nature is to think that he can do everything by himself. We all have that dark side. We all have an old nature that we wish didn't exist anymore. And that's why the Holy Spirit had Paul write to the Colossians, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. That old nature to covet and to commit all other sins is a, is a nature we must continually drown in the waters of the font. The second reaction that we have when we try to follow the law of God under our own strength is that we get frustrated. Verse 18 says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Many of you have probably made New Year's resolutions at one time or another. How many of you said, this is the year that I'm going to lose weight. This is the year I'm going to start exercising regularly. This is the year that I'm going to quit smoking. This is the year I'm going to take control of my health. A lot easier to say it than to do it, isn't it? It is frustrating. You want to change, but you just can't. You have the motivation, you just don't have the determination. You have the desire to do what is right, but you cannot do it. Your willpower does not support your desires. And that's the problem, isn't it, with every self-help book. They may have great practical advice about how to change your earthly life, but they don't give you the power to change that life. The law of God is the same way. The law shows you what to do, but it won't give you the power to do it. Earlier in Romans, in chapter 3, Paul wrote that no one will be declared righteous by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But it won't do us any good just to get confused or to get frustrated over our sin, will it? We also need to somehow get discouraged and finally even desperate over it. By verse 24 of this reading, Paul has come to a place where he couldn't take it anymore. He realized then that he couldn't do it alone. 
It had dawned on him that God's law was like a self-help book some ways, but not like others. What it really was, it was a self-surrendering book, a God-help book. So there he cried out in humility and in repentance, encouraging us to admit the same. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? But then Paul proclaimed the gospel solution to his wretchedness and his death sentence in the very next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It all boils down to this. Are you willing to be like Paul and to let the Holy Spirit lead you to cry out to Jesus from the desperation of your own heart? Are you willing to stop trying to do everything and fix everything for yourself? especially, especially your eternal destiny? Are you willing to let God call all the shots instead of fighting Him every step of the way? The story is told about an elderly Chinese Christian who shared what he'd experienced up until the time when he came to understand the cause of his sinfulness and the realization that faith in Jesus Christ is the only means through which he can escape it. He said this, I walked through the road of life, and I fell into a great ditch. The ditch was filled with depression, discouragement, and sin. As I lay in that ditch, Confucius came by and said, here are the ten steps of self-improvement to get you out of your ditch. If you will struggle to complete them, you will climb out eventually. But as much as I struggled and strained, I couldn't get out of the ditch because it was far, far too deep. Then Buddha came along and said, the ditch is not such a bad place to be. You just think it is, but it's all just an illusion of the mind. Be at peace and learn to live in your ditch. Muhammad came along and said, it's your fault you're in the ditch. You have offended Allah, and this is your just punishment. Then Karl Marx came by and said, you're in the ditch because of class warfare. You must revolt. But after the communists took power, I was still in my ditch. Then one day Jesus Christ came by and saw me in my ditch. Without a word, he took off his pure white robe and got down into that muddy ditch with me. Then he lifted me up with his strong arms and he pulled me out of that ditch. He washed off the mud with His blessed water. And He put His white robe over me so that God would only see its cleanliness. Thank God that Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. Some of you may be stuck in a ditch of discouragement too. You might be saying, I'm so tired of trying. I'm so tired of failing. I'm so tired of trying to put out all of this effort to improve my life and seeing no results. Stop trying then. Start trusting. In the next chapter in Romans, Paul writes, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Repent and receive God's mercy and grace over and over. He will lift you out of that ditch. He will rescue you from your filthy prison. He will cleanse you and bring you into the glorious freedom of His kingdom. 
Your old nature's desire to sin will not go away overnight. You'll continue to be tempted because Satan refuses to acknowledge that he's been defeated, and he refuses to quit. It's his hideous evil nature, and he can do nothing else. You will continue to have your Romans 7 moments. You will have to keep going back to God for forgiveness and restoration and help each day. But God's Word promises us in Psalm 20, verse 7, that He will answer from heaven with the saving power of His right hand. So, you can depend on Him or you can depend on yourself. The result is either freedom or frustration, joy or despair, life or death, heaven or hell. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ that He will not abandon you to yourself. He knows how wretched and how sinful you are, how confused and frustrated and discouraged you are by your ineffectual efforts to do anything about it yourself. In response to your greatest need, He has given you His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, delivering Him up to death on the cross so that you would be delivered from eternal death. Here in this place, He richly provides you His Son, Jesus, in the proclaimed Word, in the washing of the water and of the Word, and in the Word made flesh and blood. In all of these, He gives you Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and for the strengthening of your faith. Put off confusion, frustration, discouragement, and desperation then. Put on Jesus Christ, your Lord. His righteousness covers all of your wretchedness. His blood makes your foulness clean. In His holy name, amen.